0: Hi, I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie V47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape podcast. You're listening to another great four eyed radio product. For more shows, check out four It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! And my spider sense is tingling. some trouble
1: (laughs) anybody (laughs) else's spider sense -Sense tingling (laughs) welcome to Big web snappers a spider man podcast where we dive into every spider man cartoon ever made i'm derek
0: and i'm doug and is your spider sense tingling? Spider sense, what a pathetic joke. The world cannot run on spider sense alone. <laughs> <laughs> to
1: listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Before we get into it, we did have some word-stoppers words. Last week, those words were... Young Whippersnapper, submitted by our patron Flux, which yeah. actually very appropriate for a show about like a bunch of kids' superheroes, so mm-hmm. wasn't actually that hard to work those in, so thanks for yep. submitting those. Uh, thanks for timing it out that way, Flux.
0: Very on theme.
1: <laughs> very much, yeah. And uh, if you'd like to submit words to our Walloping Word Snappers game, all you have to do is become a patron at any level, and you could make us say... Whatever you want us to say, however weird they are, sometimes they are way less appropriate than Young Whippersnapper was Mm -hmm. for uh, for these episodes. But yeah, (laughs) join us on Patreon on any level to play that with us. Yeah. Right now, we're still watching the Marvel Future Avengers anime. Uh, This is the second episode of this three-episode arc that they have, so you know it's an anime arc so like it's if you didn't listen to our last episode you probably should because this just picks right up right from from where that left off (laughs) yeah the
0: three episodes as a story you can watch out of sequence from the whole show but you can't really watch an episode of the three episodes out of sequence within the arc (laughs) no no no, (laughs) definitely wouldn't make a ton of sense although these episodes do have recaps they just you know aren't that hefty (laughs) they do
1: i mean they have they have like light recaps and in in, you know and i actually think the show is surprisingly good about characters like recapping what's yeah. happened like checking in about what's happening in the state of the world yeah um which i mean even even better honestly than i would expect given how many threads are being spun at the same time uh-huh see what i did there um hey. but but even then yeah it's it's it, and it's a, i think it's a good arc so i think it's worth watching this uh i'm i'm injo- I i've i've enjoyed marvel future avengers especially this arc more than i really expected i would going into it for sure
0: yeah i like it i think it's solid i think it's solid for sure also you should watch last week's episode because it was very good and probably i I, will get to it i guess when we finish the arc but i think maybe my favorite of the three so uh you should definitely watch the last week's yeah
1: (laughs) i would agree with that yeah if you'd like to watch along with us the episode is uh all these episodes are available on disney plus not in japanese you are gonna have to watch the dub but the dub is pretty good Uh, The episode we are watching is Marvel Future Avengers Season 1, Episode 12, entitled Spider-Man to the Rescue. The synopsis per Wikipedia is, after the superhero regulation bill passes, the Green Goblin begins targeting the bill's opponents. Not a sound strategy if you want to keep your identity hidden, uh, but we will get into (laughs) that. The original air date was September 7th, 2017. The script was by Mitsutaka Hirota with a storyboard by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who were the same people to work on the previous episodes. We talked about them last week. Uh, it was directed by Seo Sun-young and Kim Jong-ho. In this case, and this is going to be the case for, next, for a couple of credits next week, too, I couldn't really find any like comprehensive credits list for these two at least not one that like came up on any english searches they're not on imdb or anything so i'm sure they've done other stuff i just have no idea what it
0: is <laughs> yeah makes sense makes sense we noted yeah. last week that uh imdb not great for international stuff often <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and even on like an like uh is it an anime news network or something like that, there's another anime like kind of yeah. uh catalog sites that I've found information on and they didn't have them on these people. So Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're working on a major show, so I'm sure I'm yeah. sure they probably have some interesting credits that we could have gone through, but oh well.
0: I'm sure, yeah. Well, character wise, uh they introduce everybody who's major at the beginning of this arc. So there isn't really anybody major introduced in this episode. Uh, or the next one that wasn't already a big deal for this story last week. So we actually can pretty much skip that part (laughs) and dive right in.
1: Nice and light. Just get right yeah. into
0: it. Yeah. I don't even have a
1: ton of notes for this one, to be honest. This might be a short one. We'll see. It's a it's a fun one, but you know this show has a lot of a lot of action in it, so we'll see. It has
0: it has a lot of action, and it establishes and explores the themes of this arc much more heavily in the first episode than it does the next two, because I think these two are the consequences of last week, but. That's
1: 100 percent. Yeah, I think it's an interesting. (laughs) It's an interesting structure for it. Yeah, because last week was really it set up a lot of a lot of these themes and interesting conversations and questions. And then this episode and the next one just like answer them pretty directly and surround some action with them and then you're done so you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it's all good stuff so let's uh, let's let's get to it this episode opens like I said with a recap before picking right up where the last episode left off in Norman Osborn's office Um, as Spider-Man disregards the recently passed superhero regulation law which is notable because in the last episode they did say this law goes into effect immediately so the fact that Spider-Man is still swinging around in his superhero costume uh stop and crimes is now officially illegal so definitely definitely important to to establish that right at the beginning of this episode um but while he's doing that and following the sound of some police sirens norman monologues and i just wrote the whole thing down because it is the most anime villain monologue uh Ever <laughs> uh, yep. just delivering it kind of to himself, but it's it you know he's Norman slash Green Goblin, so kind of not to himself at the same time. It's like very grand and 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 big, but also like very specific. It, it's like one of those things where like the more you think about it, maybe the less it makes sense, but it all sounds sure. very good. So here's here's Norman's monologue. <laughs> uh-huh. Heroes, what a pathetic joke. They're nothing but mindless clowns living a life by meaningless acts they deem just cute. But yes, I agree with you. The world cannot be run on pleasantries alone. The Emerald Ring Project? I have no interest in that. The petty squabbling of the masters of evil and Avengers does not concern me, so long as they do not interfere with my own personal plans. The elimination of all heroes. Soon I'll be free of those fools and I'll answer to no one, except for you, look at the mask, as you and I are one and the same. (laughs) What? So, okay, here's what we get from this monologue. He hates heroes. He wants to get rid of all heroes. But he also doesn't care much about heroes. They don't really concern him. Except that they're completely, (laughs) like, ubiquitous. So he must be bothered by them and must get rid of them. It's It's so funny to me. It's yeah. like, I hate them, but I don't care about them. But I'll get rid of them because they're the worst. But I don't care. <laughs> There's a lot in that. What, what,
1: the thing that I think I like most about it, though, is that like it's almost like this weird meta commentary on him being like, yeah, you know the ongoing plots and the big bads of this show? I don't yes. care about them. This is all about me, man. <laughs> I have nothing to do with them. This is just me. This is
0: what I want to do for me. Yep. <laughs> the petty squabbling of the Masters of Evil and Avengers. Fuck that. <laughs> These episodes, all about Norman.
1: <laughs> In case you didn't get it, kids, this is a standalone art, and I'm the big bad here. We're putting a pause on those plot lines. It's all for me.
0: It is, I mean, it is funny that spider-man or, or more interesting i guess than like actually funny but it is interesting that spider-man just gets like arcs in these shows right because they're not spider-man shows they're avenger shows Um, but they could if they wanted to not necessarily legally i don't know about all that um but they could just have spider-man be a member of the avengers like that can happen they're allowed to do that it's not like uh there's zero precedent for it you know what i mean so it's like it's funny that not only do they do this but then they have him give this monologue that's basically like and this is separate yeah yeah yeah
1: this is a side story this is a side plot
0: yeah really put an exclamation point on that
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny
0: Well, the next day, Tony Stark watches as the Superhero Regulation Council confiscates his Iron Man suits and are basically like, yeah, we need to take these. But, you know, once they're all cataloged and everything goes through, you know, you'll have access to them. To which Tony's basically like, so I get to rent out my own suits with permission? That sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, obviously he doesn't love this. This is a pretty short scene. But the agent, I just thought this was funny. The agent tells... Iron Man or Tony Stark, rather, to make sure that he lets Captain America and Thor know that when they get back, they better turn in their weapons, too. <laughs> so you so better cool. hand over that Mjolnir, buddy.
1: <laughs> I love the just name checking of them. And I, 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 I think it's actually like it's smart to not have either of them in this episode yeah. because then it's just like it would just get too complicated. There would be a lot. <laughs> you have to do with Cap's opinions. You have to do with Fat yeah. Thor's power set and stuff. And it's just like yeah. – I don't even remember in the last episode if they said where they were other than that they're just not around. It's no, like I don't they're know just they, not here.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if they got specific. But it is smart because if for a, for a few reasons. One, like, yeah, you don't need to add more opinions. But two, like, you, if you want to boil down Civil War and not movie Civil War necessarily – there are a few ways you can boil it down, right? And one mm-hmm. of those ways is basically Tony Stark, who is one of the most openly identified superheroes, and Spider-Man, who's one of the like most you know locked down identity superheroes. So yeah. it makes sense in this case, if they're doing sort of a light Civil War situation for the setting of this. Obviously, this is not Civil War, but it's sort of the catalyst for everything going on. It makes sense that they would boil it down a little bit. Plus, Captain America and Thor would easily be two of the most difficult superheroes to regulate. And yeah. if they're confiscating weapons, their weapons don't even belong to them, let alone to the United States. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. You know
0: what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. no, smart smart rating choice. Yeah,
0: I like it. <laughs> Naturally, Tony's like, they're not going to like this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah. wonder if there will be any sort of reaction. Obviously, you know, we won't get it in these three episodes, but uh, I would love to, to see if there's... If they have any thoughts in the aftermath. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, elsewhere, Chloe and Adi are watching an interview with Norman Osborn, where the interview is sharing footage of Spider-Man, of course, ignoring the law to stop a criminal because he's a superhero. And the, uh, the reporter does point out that without Spider-Man's intervention, the criminal surely would have escaped. So, hey, our heroes good, actually? He was at 11. <laughs> um, Spider-Man was like kind of watching this, uh, watching this behind him. He shows up and is... Like, uh, just in time to see Norman dismiss the point and equate it all to criminals, basically. So, uh, like, doesn't matter. Spider Man's still a criminal. He, he, the criminals, stopping the criminal, they're still criminals.
0: This, uh, this arc, I, I, I'm not confident saying this whole show necessarily, but this arc certainly has a lot to say about the media, but I don't know exactly what it is they're saying at all times.
1: I don't <laughs> You either. know what I mean?
0: <laughs> and I don't think they're setting lot. out to have, like, a thesis, but, like, it just right. seems like they have a lot of commentary on the news media without boiling it down to a thesis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it ends up I think throughout all three of them cuz the news media is so present throughout it and so much of the of the exposition from the plot is conveyed not just to us but like to other characters just through people watching news reports. Yeah, which I love. Other... I love
0: using that that mechanism. I like it a lot. It's a
1: it's a smart device. I think what's what's weird about it is that like they have the they have the reporters sort of waffle between like editorializing and just reporting on it. And when they editorialize, they go very much back and forth a lot over, like, if they're trying to challenge Norman Osborn in favor of superheroes or if they're not in favor of superheroes and agree with him. And then it's sort of like, well, is the waffling the point? And you're saying the media is weak and just goes with the flow or I think not. if there
0: is a point, it's that. But it, it isn't even always that enough for that to feel confidently yeah. like the point, you know? Because... <laughs> Spoiler, next week's episode I feel like very clearly makes that point, but this yeah, week's episode yeah. doesn't make that point necessarily. <laughs> so it's all very yeah. confusing.
1: <laughs> it's weird. I, I almost, I think it's one of those things I don't think they were thinking about the no, media that much. So. I really think they were just tools and mechanism for exposition, and it's an easy way to get that information out there and – yeah, They just had the reporters say whatever they needed to to get the heroes riled up in one way or another.
0: Yeah. And then occasionally it's a, like it, it works as like a joke or like you said, like it moves, moves certain characters forward. So <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because yeah. it's, it's so prevalent. <laughs> it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Chloe points out the role of Green Goblin in the public support of the law, which is, you know, telling, Spider-Man posits that Goblin and Osborn could be in cahoots.
0: What? No way.
1: <laughs> and I love I, I love I love this episode for the goblin Osborne mystery. I like I mean, it's not a mystery to the audience, obviously, but it's like even in the world of the show, it's like so obvious that they're together. <laughs> but uh when footage of Councilman Reiner continuing to campaign against the law, so in favor of superheroes, is shown, Spider-Man's like, ooh, that could be a dangerous move because that guy <laughs> Might be in danger now, um, mm-hmm. which you know turns out to be very, very true. Also, during this exchange, there is a nice little reference to Spider-Man maybe wearing a black suit instead of his bright colors because it would be yeah. more inconspicuous. Fun little, yeah. fun little reference.
0: <laughs> this show loves doing uh, the thing where like one character sort of like thinks out loud and then doesn't explain to anyone around them what that means, and then That's cuts so to a different scene. 'Cause that's what happens here where Spider Man's, like, ooh, that could be dangerous. And then Chloe and Adi are like, What? And then it cuts to another scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like last episode where Makoto would be like, Well, if you if you're gonna quit, what does that mean? I dot 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 cut to a different scene.
1: <laughs> it's funny because it's like it's like this very particular kind of dramatic tension. Yeah. It's not like a shocking last line to cut to the scene. No. And it's not a joke either. It's just like rumination
0: Uh uh-huh and then that's
1: no okay I guess we'll come back to it maybe you're not not gonna have a conclusion you're not gonna come to any conclusions yet nope gotta save that for later oh okay what's so funny though I don't remember if it happens for this one but I know that there's like a couple of instances where like that happens and then it's like way later in the episode a character's like oh by the way about that thing you said earlier mm-hmm. and it's like why didn't you ask him right there in the moment <laughs> did he leave right after he said that like wasn't were you in a conversation right then <laughs>
0: yeah it's funny because it's just like it's just it's juggling they're just they're just juggling you know like uh, yeah. all the things they've got going on but it's just it's such a funny way to go about it because i feel like it's not necessarily the typical way to go about it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: Uh, Well, in Canada, because remember, Makoto, Hulk, and Wasp are in Canada, uh, Hulk's happy place. Makoto and Wasp are preparing basically to survive in the wilderness because they've committed to staying with Hulk. So, like, Makoto is preparing, like, a large stack of wood, um, and then Wasp is, like... Well, we need food. Guess what? We can find all the food we need out here in the wild. <laughs> she's
1: so chill about living off the grid. She's like, Makoto, we're surrounded by food. It's it's great. But I think it's very telling that it doesn't seem like she's doing any work. She's having both of the dudes do everything. She's like, yeah. Makoto, you can find us dinner. I'm going to chill here by you know the firewood pile that you collected earlier. <laughs> I think that's
0: a very good point that is worth revisiting in next episode because Wasp is consistent in that regard when it comes to Makoto and all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or maybe yep. it's even i think it is actually just the end of this episode uh we'll see i yeah. don't remember exactly when it happens <laughs> i
1: think it's this episode i know what you're so, talking about though. but yeah she's
0: deaf <laughs> she is very that <laughs> you boys just do your thing
1: <laughs> it's like you're not concerned about just living in the wilderness for an indefinite amount of time like eh. <laughs>
0: She's just chill, you know? She's chill. There's probably, like, a food store in the Quinjet that she's just not telling them about, you know? She's like, we'll be fine.
1: (laughs) That makes the most sense. That's why she goes back to the Quinjet later in the episode. Exactly. She's uh, That actually explains... Okay, we'll get to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, Hulk... (laughs) continues to insist that they leave him alone. Um, And Makoto's like, nope, not going to do that. Hulk's like, well, how long are you going to stay then? And Makoto's like, as long as you do, buddy. (laughs) So they're just, they continue doing their wilderness preparation thing. Um, As, well, Wasp doesn't. Wasp's just wondering, standing around wondering. So Wasp is wondering (laughs) what trouble the new law could be causing back in New York City. Um, And as she's doing this, we cut to a series of news stories that are airing about attacks on three public opponents to the regulation law. So that, you know, sort of loops around to what Spider-Man was saying about, like, well, oh, it could be dangerous to publicly oppose this. Um, and as he suspected, public opponents are being attacked.
1: It's not a smart plan on Osborne's part because, like, the news, imme- even the news immediately catches on. Like, the first you hear about these, the the opponent, the public opponent's you know, being caught in these mysterious accidents as reporters being like, these mysterious accidents seem very suspicious, and probably was because they were opposing the regulation law. Like, <laughs> it, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not inconspicuous. Like, people were going to catch on eventually, but I guess Osborne's just like a madman is what they're going to end up leaning on. So, uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, this um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but as you watch through this arc and as it comes to its close, you realize like, oh. It didn't need to make sense for this version yeah. of Norman Osborn, did it?
1: <laughs> this isn't really brilliant calculating mastermind Norman Osborn. Like no. he's presented like that at first, and then it's like he's actually not. He's yeah. just silly. He's just silly guy who happens to just be pretty good at faking it enough to get support on whatever he wants to do.
0: <laughs> this is this is very Agent of Chaos uh, yeah. Goblin for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, in the lobby of Oscorp, Brainer attempts to meet with Osborne apparently again, uh, but he's turned away by the receptionist who claims he's handling emergency business, which is apparently the excuse he was given just the immediate day preceding this. So he's like, what's the truth here? Where is Osborne? Like, this is ridiculous. And he just kind of storms off. But basically, this is letting us know that Osborne is apparently impossible to get a hold of or has kind of holed himself up uh, in Oscorp Tower, as far as everybody knows, He's just a very hard man to get a hold of right now in the wake of this new law.
1: Sure. In an alley, a handful of kids. <laughs> I love this interaction. There's just a handful of like little kids. They look like 10-year-olds are mm-hmm. like arguing about, about this new bill that's been made into a law that determines whether or not <laughs> Spider-Man is a criminal. And he has a disregard for this new law. Like, There's this 10-year-old who's literally like, they passed a bill. What, what do kids argue like that? <laughs>
0: I love it what because are- I feel like I feel like I feel like the kids who are defending Spider-Man are the ones who are just being like kids with opinions and the yeah. ones who are arguing against it are just literally saying what their parents said or they're like well yeah. he's a criminal didn't you hear <laughs>
1: That actually checks out because yeah, you're right. Like the pro Spider-Man side, they're not saying anything insightful. They're just like, "Spider-Man's cool. He's a hero. We love him." Yeah. Um. And, you know the and the and like the bullies are just are spouting this like weird rhetoric that like is sounds like they're parroting something an adult said, which checks out if they're just parroting what their what their uh, uh, parents said. That actually explains it because I was like, "What weirdo children are like paying attention to New York City politics?
0: <laughs> What's happening?" <Yeah. laughs> (laughs) yep yep (laughs) that's funny yeah my dad said that spider-man's a bad guy (laughs)
1: yeah a fight breaks out over this controversial new law in in the elementary school world and uh they begin to fight and then a police officer um which we learned very shortly was actually chloe in disguise breaks it up and reminds the pro spidey kids that spider-man wouldn't want them to fight because he's a hero and they should be heroes too On a rooftop nearby, Spider-Man and Adi watch this, and they kind of discuss this quickly shifting sentiment against superheroes. And then we get, like, this interesting remark uh, from Spider-Man where he's like, well, being a hero can be hard to justify sometimes. And Adi's like, ooh, that's a dark thing to think about. And he imagines Makoto returning to, to find the city Basically, having turned against superheroes, which Makoto's entire dream is to be a superhero, Um, so he kind of thinks about how sad Makoto would be seeing all of this happen.
0: Yeah, this is this is an interesting bit of conversation because Adi is is all of us in his reaction, listening to Spider Man talk about like, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's not glamorous. There's really the thing that stood out to me was him saying like. There's really nothing to gain in being a superhero and it's like whoa. Damn yeah. buddy, that's that is yeah. dark, huh? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think him saying like it's hard to justify continuing to do th- to do this and it's just like the implication being like, oh, so it's it's so bad that like it the badness, you know, and frustrations of it are equal to the good you must feel from saving people. Like that's yeah. how frustrating it is for you Mm -hmm. which is pretty i mean you know and if you know spider-man stories yeah his life is hell. very often most of the time yeah he (laughs) is i mean he's
0: definitely yeah correct utilization of the correct superhero to sort of pose this question to by the way the correct future avenger who is constantly uh pondering the philosophy of being a superhero after uh committing all sorts of heinous crimes (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good it, that's a good point though that like it's a good use of Spider-Man in particular because I do think that that sentiment put in the mouth of many other superheroes pretty much all of the this this core team of Avengers in this show you would just kind of roll your eyes at like your life isn't that hard. Tony yeah. Stark, you've like billionaire, come <laughs> on. But like we know Spider-Man's whole deal is like very down-to-earth, real-life life life struggles type of dude. And we know how hard it is for him. That's, like, his whole archetype. So it makes sense that he'd be the one to be like, yeah, shit's hard, man. It's Mm -hmm. a real hard job that I kind of feel like sometimes I should just quit.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Feels appropriate, too, because I don't know all the timelines of this, but we just talked uh, recently, recording schedule-wise, but we just talked about uh, Spider-Man No More uh, and Spider-Man 2. So... Lots of, lots of Spider-Man questioning being Spider-Man lately. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It's all, all about that. All about how horrible it is to be Spider-Man. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. Well, nearby in a car, uh, Rainer considers the connection between the attacks on opponents of the new law and Osborn. Um, and straight up asks, like, hey, I wonder if Osborn could be behind these attacks. <laughs> because it's obvious. Um, and as he's asking himself this, uh, Green Goblin flies by and attacks his car with a with a pumpkin bomb. Uh, the car flips over and it traps Rainer and his driver underneath. Luckily, this all happens pretty close by to where uh, Spider-Man, Chloe, and Adi are, so they do notice this. And Spider-Man intervenes just in time to prevent Green Goblin from tossing a pumpkin bomb at the overturned car where Rainer and his driver are still trapped. Um, so love, a love, a prevented murder. Do love that. Mm-hmm. Thanks Spider-Man. So pretty scary stuff. Uh, Chloe and Adi do sort of just like stick by the car for a little bit and like tend to Raynor and his driver, get them out from underneath the car and Spider-Man expectedly uh, pursues Green Goblin.
1: I I think it's, I think this was, this was the moment in the episode where I was like, oh yeah, Norman doesn't care about planning anything because it's one thing to have like you know, staged accidents, even if they're conspicuous. Which mm-hmm. they, it was very explicit that the previous people that were that were hurt or attempted, you know, attempted murder, like had attempted murder against them, were like accidents that seemed to be suspicious. This one, it is straight up Green Goblin just throwing bombs at a dude, like the the most obvious you can get <laughs> that it's not an accident. So that it's like, and oh, okay. the most so,
0: obvious dude, like. Going right. after Rainer is the dumbest choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's when it's like, okay, so Norman's not a mastermind. He's just he's just out for power, and that's it, and not really anything beyond that. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Well, back in Canada, Hulk claims that all he does is mess things up. Hulk really, these two episodes, having a real serious, and hey, relatable content, but having a real pity party for himself. <laughs> like, for like... Uh, the equivalent of like a whole episode, uh, between, you know, the second half of, uh, last week and the first half of this one. Really, all he says is like, I suck. <laughs> like, oh, you <laughs> poor mean, thing. Yeah, yeah I uh, yeah. suck. <laughs> he's a sad boy right now, and we've all been a sad boy. It's okay. So he's, he he's, you know, he's doing his thing and he's saying, All I do is mess things up, and the Avengers are better off without me. And in response to this, Makoto's like, Dude, if, if if what happened was your fault, then what happened was my fault. And if the Avengers are better off without you, then, like, are they better off without me? And if you're giving up, does that mean I'm supposed to give up? And it's all, like, v- much more direct, like, drawing the parallel between the two uh, than last episode where they started to, like, build up to it, you know? Now it's very yeah. much in-universe, Makoto saying, like, if you think this— then I think I'm supposed to think this. Um, And it's good that it's happening now because Hulk does begin to pay attention to Makoto having these thoughts out loud.
1: The subtext is now text.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) Text uh, both in the universe and to us. Yes. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Katie, Mike, Eric, carl and lillian
1: if you would like to join our patreon we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you we have our spider bites where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the spider-man universe such as comics like the current miles morales series
0: and classics like craven's last hunt sometimes we do deep dives into spider-man stuff like our mini-series on the unmade spider-man movies or we spin off into other topics like the blade movies or the firestar comics Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes.
1: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more.
0: Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway. So recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, back in New York,
1: Spider-Man hitches a ride on Goblin's Glider. Uh, Green Goblin is is able to ultimately escape, but not before Spider-Man manages to briefly tangle Goblin's glider up, causing Goblin to collide with a nearby monument. Uh, Goblin braces the impact with his shoulder and flies away, clearly banged up, that will be important for later. (laughs) After he flies off, Adi reports to Spider-Man that Reiner and his driver are being cared for and prompts Chloe to initiate the next part of their plan— which requires her to shapeshift into a TV reporter. So Adi follows up on Spider-Man's comments about justifying being a superhero, uh, which is that g- conversation we were kind of alluding to earlier. And it gets, you know, kind of even, uh, it doesn't ed- get darker, but it get like elaborated on where Spider-Man kind of gives this whole speech to, to Adi about like, you know, making the decision to be a hero isn't hard. Anybody can be a hero, but what's really difficult is remaining a hero. You know, Um and we even get it with great power comes great responsibility. Drop. So it's kind of what we just talked about, where it's like it's hard for it's hard to be a superhero and it's hard to be Spider Man, and that's what's difficult about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, still, I love this for Adi. I love. I- Honestly, the thing that will motivate me, I think, right now, the thing motivating me the most. To want to finish this show. Which I already want to finish. That's not a dig at the show. But like number one on my list of like things I want to see through. Is Adi's story. Because Adi gets so much of this good stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this plays right into what he's been sort of wrestling with, right? Like he 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 doesn't believe he can be a hero because he's done horrible things. Then he learns that Tony Stark is a hero who did horrible things. That's sort of eye-opening for him. But he's still struggling with it because it's not, you know, as easy as just like, oh, yeah, okay, of course. And then he meets Spider-Man who's like, yeah, it's really hard to decide to keep doing this. But, like, you got to keep doing it. You know, like, yeah. it's just good stuff. Um, I love that Adi is just this, like, he's not a reluctant hero because he doesn't want to be a hero. He's not like a Katniss Everdeen, right? Where it's like, I never wanted to be this. Um, mm. He just doesn't believe that he's good enough to be considered a hero, which is, like, pretty deep and complicated for somebody who's probably supposed to be, like, 16.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, it's like kind of a redemption arc type of thing with him, but they are doing it in such an interesting way where it's like a redemption arc through the lens of like somebody with imposter syndrome essentially. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, the 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 thing with him is that he sort of it's weird because like he has these legitimate reasons for for constantly questioning things because he had to question his reality to wake up from hydra you know um and grapple with the the bad stuff that he's done and the bad organization he was a part of even though it was kind of out of his control so you've got that redemption redemption arc aspect but then that feeds into like i said this this sort of like like inferior imposter syndrome kind of deal that he's going through because it's like oh well i've i've i am i would i ever be good enough like could i ever make up for what i did and could i ever be a good enough hero since i was obviously weak enough to be a villain at the start of this you know and then he's constantly confronted with these other heroes who reveal themselves to also be very complicated and have shades of gray about them and and tell him how hard it is to be a superhero so he's like constantly challenged with the difficulty of what he's trying to do yeah Um, but
0: also affirmed because it's difficult for the people that everybody considers heroes so he's, right. like, confronted with these new ways of thinking about it and these new challenges, but because he is so chal- – like, he challenges himself so much to consider himself a hero, right, it's, like, validating in certain ways for him to be, like, oh, shit, it's hard for you, too. Like, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> It That's is. interesting. And it makes it more,
1: And whenever, you know, whenever he ultimately has his big hero moment at the end of the series or even his like, you know, smaller hero moments throughout the series, it makes it a lot more satisfying because you know that he's not only had to do the work externally, but also do a lot of the work internally to get him to the point where he can like feel like he can do it. And also it's satisfying when you get to see him feel good about himself for being heroic and doing cool heroic things.
0: Well, that's what's so interesting about it is, like, I don't know that he's having to do – I mean, he's doing work, obviously, externally in the fact that he's, like, an Avenger in training. But yeah. as far as redemption arcs go, I think what's interesting about his is, like, it's not even a conventional redemption arc in that, like, everybody's cool with him being a hero. Everybody's already, like, yeah, no, you're you're good, man. Like, you you got yeah. this. Like, you're with us. And normally it would be, like, the the people in the world sort of being, like – can he be good? And like that, that character has to redeem themselves to everybody else yeah. in this case, like he only has to redeem himself to himself because everybody that's else is chill. You know,
1: that's a much more, a, a kind of a much more interesting take on the redemption arc than what a lot of them are. I think because we see them so frequently, like, cause yeah. that's, I, that's probably the hardest, that would be the hardest hurdle to overcome <laughs> in a situation like that is to like prove yourself to yourself.
0: And it's more realistic because a lot of redemption arcs are basically like, I did bad things for 48 episodes, but guess what? In the end I did a good. And everyone's like, yay. Oh, you murdered like billions
1: of people, but it's fine. You saved one. So that counts.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And in those cases that, that character is so confident that they are now a good guy. Um, And that's just it. In this case, it's like, no, he's not even really confident he's a good guy. He's not even confident that he can be a good guy, but he's pretty sure he wants to be. But is anybody going to be okay with that? Is he going to be okay with that? It's like, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's it's and way more interesting than a conventional redemption arc.
1: It is. And I love that for him, they aren't playing with him. He's not like tempted to do, to do villainy or he's not like tempted by darkness or anything either. The internal struggle is just... Just literally the act of like, am I a good person or not? Am I a hero or not?
0: He's just, it's like, it's all just guilt. Like, can I have, can, can I be worthy of the good thing that is being a hero because of everything in my past? I've already done too much bad. uh, And he just can't, he can't see moving forward as an option. Um, Yeah. It's yeah. I like it. I, I think it's, it's really, really good. Adi, good stuff. You're not always the most like captivating character, but you are one of the most fascinating characters, if not the most fascinating character on this show.
1: He gets the best content and the he best does. episodes. That's he for does. sure.
0: Well,
1: inside the Oscorp lobby, Chloe, who is now disguised as that TV reporter, uh, pretends to have an appointment with Norman, and she kind of presses the um, like the receptionist. Uh, and the receptionist is finally like, "Okay, fine, fine. I'll call. I'll call Norman and see if he's in." Um, So she calls him Um, even though she calls on a phone. There's also a video screen like alongside the (laughs) phone that Chloe can see. But that's all part of their plan because the whole point of this was never to get into Norman's office. It was just strictly to see if Norman is actually there, which he is.
0: I love this so much because when I started to see it, I was like, you've tried this. Stop doing this. What are you doing? And then the fact that they learned from their last attempt and just tweaked it so that it was actually helpful to them. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, back in Canada, Hulk and Makoto's conversation continues. They discuss sort of like why they have their powers. And this is interesting to me because Hulk asks Makoto, like, do you think there's a reason we have our powers? And I like that they have Hulk ask that question because, I feel like it shows that he's beginning... Like, the wheels are beginning to turn. um, And I dig that. Uh, Plus, it's Mm. also, like, kind of sweet to see this, like, big, hulking, uh, most powerful guy on the team type of character ask, like, this, I don't know, 14-year-old boy, like, what do you think (laughs) our powers mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really sweet.
0: I like it. I like it. And then he asks, you know, like, do you think that our powers can change the future? Which is sort of... um it's if this were more of a shonen anime if this were more of a naruto you know uh, type thing or pokemon type thing they would they would lean on this a lot more but this is kind of like makoto's like mantra statement thing uh where it's yeah. sort of like we can change the future <laughs> or whatever he actually says um so the fact that hulk asks him this really resonates with makoto this idea that they can use use their powers to change their futures. so of course makoto's like yeah, we can absolutely change the future as long as we work together, which will become immediately relevant <laughs> because I
1: could, I, I could do without that. I could do without this part. <laughs> go ahead.
0: <laughs> I don't. I, well, I'll be I'll be curious to hear what your issues are, because I don't have any issues with it, but it's not um, issues.
1: It's more just like, OK, I, just go on. We'll get into it.
0: <laughs> OK. Yeah. Um, so immediately following this conversation, a forest fire breaks out. Uh, And of course they're like, what the fuck? Uh, Hulk and wasp just like immediately instinctively spring into action. These are the experienced Avengers after all, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but Makoto hesitates uh, and he's basically afraid of the amount of power that Hulk is kind of saying, like he's going to need for them to stop this fire because Hulk like immediately sort of like jumps into the fire and is like, Makoto, I need your powers. Give me everything you got. Doesn't really explain to us like what that means but just the fact that he says like give me everything like i need everything you got this is not great for makoto because last time makoto gave anything everything he got you know like that's when he lost control of his power so he's like i don't want to do that we even get like a little flashback to him losing control of his powers but hulk like coaches him through it and is like look Together, we can do this. Like, I need you. You need me. Like, come on, we got this. And so Makoto's like, that's right, together. Like, we can do this together, of course. This is anime. So he calls upon his tornado power, which I believe is, like, the most powerful thing we've seen him do. Um, I think it's his, like, aerial act type 11 or something. He said
1: type 11. Yeah, and I think it's the highest number that they have used so far. Yeah. Yeah,
0: he has used it before, but sparingly. And this is what their plan is. <laughs> I'm glad we got to see something that sort of made sense. Cause I was like, why is Hulk jumping into a fire? He- and I'm why still- does he want, Yeah, it makes sense. I don't
1: quite get it. Okay. Okay,
0: so here, so Hulk jumps into the fire, into the middle of the fire, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) I thought that was
1: real. I was like, what are you doing, dude? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I had the
0: same reaction. I didn't get it until it was over. I was like, oh. (laughs) So he jumps into the middle of the fire. He says, Makoto, I need your big attack, which is the tornado. So Makoto calls upon the tornado, which lifts Hulk very high up into the air, like super-duper-duper high, and then Hulk uses that boost To basically perform like a huge ground pound, which creates sort of like an impact wave outward, which puts out the fire either through, I don't know, dirt, wind or whatever. But like that was the plan was like, get me up there, buddy, uh, so that I can smash ground and put the fire out all at once.
1: I guess that's what I was confused about was how it puts the fire out. Like, is it that it like snuffs the fire out because of the impact of like the waves from like the airwaves from his ground pound or something like that. I guess I was just sort of like, I don't know. I just didn't really get it after it happens. Like what they just did.
0: I mean, <laughs> they, I do think, I do think it makes more sense than zero sense. Um, yeah. But it's also anime. It's like superhero it is. Cartoon I mean, it's cool shit. <laughs> I,
1: I guess I'm kind of like, I almost, cause the, the force fire is so out of nowhere. And then the way that they, that, the, that they stop it is just sort of like, what? I was sort of like, I honestly would have rather their big epiphany where they get back together just literally just came from a from a very enthusiastic conversation. Because that could oh, also be a very anime thing. Oh, that's not how they were
0: ever going to do it.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. But, I mean, if there were going to be an action sequence, I wish it was, like, less random than this. I guess because I could still – there's still very anime versions of, of like, of – big conversations that you have where they like, you know, stand up and are like, yeah, we're going to work together or whatever. Like that just comes from the conversation they were having that I thought was really nice. And I would have rather that, but I mean, I'm not surprised there was an action sequence. I, I know it's that fine.
0: I know the anime does that. I don't really see that for this show.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I think the other thing that's really funny about this though, is that like wasp just like pieces out and she's just like, oh, I'm going to use the Quinjet somehow. I don't know what her plan was. But then she's not back until it's already over. And the way that she's talking where it's like, I knew they would work together. I don't know if this is what it's supposed to mean, but it almost feels like it implies that she purposely, like went away and didn't come back until it was over just to make force them to work together. <laughs> which oh, I think would that's very,
0: <laughs> I think that's exactly what they're saying. I think she even says like, I knew you, I knew if I left you to it, you'd figure it out or something. Like I that. didn't
1: want to believe that because that's so irresponsible. It'll be like forest fire by y'all. Y'all have to figure out your personal issues while this forest fire rages through the woods, potentially mm-hmm. killing like so much life. But cool. I think that's okay, exactly wasp. what
0: happened. I think, I, I don't even think that's like filling in the blanks. I think that's, I think that's what they're saying happened.
1: <laughs> Lord, I was I was in denial about that. I think that was the other reason I had issues with the for the whole forest fire thing. It's just like okay, so yeah. now she looks bad too. But if she was really hungry because Makoto didn't do a very good job, job of for, foraging and all he got was apples, and she was like, I need some protein. That was her opportunity to go back to the Quinjet and get the food storage, go get to the food storage and get some meat out of there. So that she got her nice lunch out there. makes of
0: it. her seem worse. <laughs> I
1: know. It does. But she doesn't seem good in the first place. So why not run with it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say my only big issue is just that the forest fires out of nowhere. But other than that, yeah. I don't mind anything else that happens. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It, it's it worked whatever. okay for me because then they're fired up you know yeah i think they needed to be fired up so back in new york outside of oscorp reporters await norman osborne who agrees to answer any and all questions for what reason i don't really know uh, what prompts him to be like now is the time i will talk to everybody but he does spider-man drops in And says, I'll get this party started. I've got some questions I can ask you. And so he, Chloe, and Adi ask about Oscorp's security. And basically the point that they make is that Oscorp is littered with surveillance cameras. Everywhere in the building is surveilled by camera. But there don't seem to be any cameras monitoring Norman's office, which at first is like, Okay, I mean, like, he is the CEO, so, like, what are you getting at here? Yeah. So then they share footage uh, shot of that area, that top floor office, uh, and Green Goblin seems to be entering uh, that space. So clearly Mm -hmm. Norman was hiding people coming and going. And Norman is like, well, that's clearly fake footage. Like, you just brought footage of a place that you just said there is no footage of. So like clearly that's fake and they're like well actually we took all those cameras you have and we pointed them up there. So we've got our footage (laughs) but we assure you if you look at your own footage Green Goblin will still be there which at first I was like that's weird. But then I remembered Adi's power is literally like Technomancy so like. If anyone yeah. could pull it off, he could. <laughs> I also
1: think it's funny. I don't even know if they were really thinking about this, but I think they might have been. That, like, it's, a, it's still a fun callback to the last episode where the whole reason that Chloe's, like, initial... Uh, you know, charade plan failed oh my because they God. were spotted right outside of the building because of security cameras. That's what would include them in to be like, there's security yeah. cameras all over the place. Is there a security camera that would show Green Goblin? There isn't. Okay. Let's set up this plan to make sure that there is.
0: That's so smart. Oh my God. I didn't even make that connection. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's brilliant. That makes mm-hmm. that scene make so much more sense because it was just sort of like a funny, sort of like a funny situational comedy thing in the moment. But yeah, yeah, it's it's what clues them into just how surveilled the the area is. Holy shit! And it
1: becomes a nice like hoist by their own petard yeah. kind of thing, yeah, which I which I like a lot.
0: Look at you, uh, look at you, anime Marvel Avengers. <laughs> What's the name of the show again? Marvel Future Avengers. <laughs> look at, look at you.
1: you, anime Marvel Avengers.
0: <laughs> well, Spider Man then presses Norman about his relationship to green goblin basically why is he around do y'all just hang out y'all just tell jokes go bowling like what's what's going on here norman norman chooses not to acknowledge this instead he just like gets annoyed and angrily attempts to walk away but a reporter grabs his shoulder uh which is stupid but Glad he does, because Norman winces, and this prompts Spider-Man to use his webbing to rip off Norman's sleeve, Uh, sleeves, because presumably he has a shirt underneath his suit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Revealing, what do you know, a bunch of bandages in the same place that Goblin was injured in his recent clash with Spidey. And then I love this. <laughs> Chloe then just like very loudly <laughs> and very conspicuously is like are you saying that maybe Norman Osborn and Green Goblin could in fact be the same person? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs>
1: oh man. So good. That's great. The whole bit is cause they, they they like double down on that and everyone's like, hmm, interesting. Norman Osborne, Green Goblin, could that be the same? Maybe he is. Maybe Norman Osborne could be the Green Goblin. <laughs> you think that that Norman Osborne and Green Goblin, they're not just working together. They're the same person? Interesting. That could be it's like it goes on for a long time in a way that I actually that I really like. It's so funny.
0: <laughs> you know what I love about it? Is like yes, it was obvious that they were connected. But I actually really appreciate, and this is confirmed uh, in the next scene, but I, I appreciate that in this universe, it's it's really just, like, the preponderance of evidence. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that seems pretty obvious. And then Norman makes no attempt, and, like, they don't yeah. try to pretend that, like, he can just write it off or, like, pretend it away out of existence. like. From this moment forward, everyone's just like, "Yes, Norman Osborn is Green Goblin." <laughs> I yeah. kind of like that about it. <laughs> I do
1: too. It's like it's interesting because they're you know it, this is not a nuanced Norman Osborn by any any stretch. Yeah, uh, but I think they kind of like use that to their advantage in this because then they just let him be like. Uh, you know a corrupt businessman politician madman and go f- go full bore with it like that's a fun mm-hmm. archetype to have when you you know when when you when you want it and it works here so they can yeah. do stuff like this where they have this this honestly really silly scene and they don't have to play any smart like 40 chess with it it's just like everybody believes it now and there's nothing he can do about it
0: yeah secrets out And I like we'll see next episode the sort of like aftermath of this because this episode's almost over. But um, I like that, you know, there there are plenty of, you know, instances of Green Goblin or just a goblin in general, specifically in the 90s where they, you know, do Hobgoblin or whatever, um, where it's just like, here's Goblin. He's going to be chaotic and totally wild and wacky and just like do shit to fuck with people and all that sort of stuff. This goblin has that energy, but I like that they build up to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, like, goblin on the scene, fucking shit up. Isn't he chaotic? Like, I kind of like that even though it's quick, it's still, like, a buildup. And you can kind of see, like, oh, he snapped. There he goes. Yeah. (laughs) Here we are. We've arrived.
1: (laughs) There is a fun tension that you can only get when you have a character that, like, that there have been many variations of. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're going into this, not exactly sure what version of Goblin it is. And just when we think we might have this version of Goblin figured out, like, I think it would be safe to say that at the end of the last episode, we would assume that it's like, Oh, calculating mastermind Norman Osborn, And and then he just, you know, he can can easily flip switches into the more chaotic but still mastermind Green Goblin persona. And this episode kind of turns it on its head in a way that doesn't invalidate the last episode. It just kind of builds upon it and it just unveils like, oh, no, you're not watching that version of Green Goblin. You're watching this version of Green Mm -hmm. Goblin and it's going to be wacky.
0: Yep. Quick descent, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well... Like I said, this next scene confirms this for us. So in Canada, Wasp delivers the news that Osborn has been outed as Green Goblin, confirming that the Hulk's rampage was engineered to get uh, Osborn's anti-superhero law passed. This obviously pisses the Hulk off. So determined, Hulk is like, we need to go back and stop him. And the trio sets off for New York.
1: Yes, they do. We got one last scene to set up the cliffhanger because back at Oscorp, Norman, of course, is bombarded with questions. Hey, are you the Green Goblin? Everyone said you're the Green Goblin. Are you the Green Goblin? Um, But instead of acknowledging the crowd, he just laughs maniacally, which is not suspicious at all. Like we said, he's just like, okay, I'm outed. I'm going to be so evil right now in front of everybody.
0: I thought I thought till that moment, I was like, how is he going to spin this? How is he going to spin this? And then he just starts laughing in their face. And I was like, oh,
1: okay. He's (laughs) like, yeah, you right. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Because he remotely activates the confiscated Hulkbuster suit it's a good shot because it's just like it's shrouded in darkness and then it's like the lights up, like the eyes and the little lights on it light up and it's like oh shit I forgot about the Hulkbuster suit but they confiscated it so we got it so now we're gonna have to deal with the Hulkbuster suit
0: Hulkbuster's back baby
1: Hulkbuster's <laughs> back
0: baby uh well the face of the episode comes from like that very first scene where Norman is being dramatic and monologuing that scene ends in a really cool shot that includes yeah. a good face and some eye stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a shot that is you know if there were cameras involved is shot through the goblin mask through the eye of the goblin mask looking up at Norman uh who's looking down at the mask. It's very cool. It's a really dope shot. Um it's yeah. also like lit by the moon, uh which makes his face look very cool. Uh very detailed, uh very well done stuff. Yeah. Sick very shot, good. man. Yeah.
1: It's a good it's, it's a good looking show, you know. I mean off, it most is of the and time. it
0: isn't at the same time. Yeah. Not yeah. not for any animation reasons, but largely because I think this show has a weird, for me, a weird dissonance between the Avengers characters and designs and yes. the future Avengers characters and designs. I agree, and I was, I you agree. know, when I was listening back to last week's episode, it like, it struck me when you said that um, the animation team, I was like trying to connect some of the dots between some of the other things that they had worked on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you said that they worked on like Beyblade, didn't they? And so I was like, mm. I think that's the one that no. I feel. It w- well,
1: was- no, no, you're right. You're right. It was uh, okay. The the it, the actual like studio or the ones who did like Death Note and like One Punch Man and stuff. But then I think it was, I don't remember, it was either a character designer or one of the lead like director people. But yeah, there is like an influence in designs that worked on like Beyblade.
0: I feel like it had to have been character designer because for yeah. whatever reason it resonated me with me and I was like, that's it. Because I was trying to figure out like, what types of shows do the future Avengers specifically remind me of? And I think it's like that. It's got a bit more of like a yeah. Beyblade vibe to it. Um, and then but everything... only
1: those, only certain characters. Right. M- mostly just the kids look like that. And right. Everything else looks like they're pulled from Death Note, which is weird. It's funny though because it's
0: <laughs> it's it's part it's part that, but it's also like a lot of the a lot of the Avengers, like Steve Rogers' face, Tony Stark's face, Norman Osborn's face, like the way that they design them and the way that they structure their faces. I feel like I typically see in anime when they are specifically trying to show like this is the American character (laughs) where they have like distinctly not stereotypical anime features. They have like much broader noses or like if you look at Tony Stark's nose, it is like the least anime looking nose ever while simultaneously being like the most anime thing ever of all time. It's so funny to me. Yeah. And this character takes place in New York unabashedly. Um, and they don't pretend that the Avengers are like not American. So I feel like all of the, the, the primary cast men that they draw all just look like stereotypical anime American men. And it's so funny to me, which means they end up being like weirdly detailed in a way that looks really yeah. good. Um, but it's so funny to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's Yeah. Fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah. It's, it's a, I didn't think that – I hadn't been thinking that deeply about it, but you're right. There is it's – always it's always, something that's always a little – a little bit of dissonance that's always there that you just can't get over with just like – the characters don't really fit in the world together in some cases. Yeah. And like you, you, you get used <laughs> to it. But yeah, like yeah. I feel like you – at the same time, it's always there. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> it's like
0: in other anime, it's like used as a joke to like highlight how dissonant this character is because they're from
1: America.
0: Um, but it's like half the cast.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point.
0: <laughs> but it yeah. does look good. I mean, honestly, like, honestly, like, as creepy as Norman Osborn is, he always looks so damn good in this arc. They do a re- they do a good job with
1: lighting. Yes. especially.
0: they take advantage of that cav like those cavernous uh, cheeks of his.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Very cool shot.
1: Very good. Yeah. Well, what yeah. do you think? It's still, yeah. Oh, there I mean I you know, I know I went like on like the tangent about like the forest fire, like the random forest fire that just happened cuz I don't know the spider gods are angry or whatever, like, ugh, I think it was all
0: valid though. Like <laughs>
1: I, I but I was I think I was I I don't I don't I won't feel that strong. I feel like I was probably hamming that up a little too much for the podcast. It but <laughs> it, it was it wasn't the worst thing ever. Honestly, I think like this episode is like I think maybe a, a, a step down from the first one, but only just to because the first one established a lot of these really great themes, and this one had to spell them out a lot more. There's still yeah. a lot of really fun character stuff and really fun. There's actually like less action in this one than I recalled there being. To be honest, I think like out of the out of this arc, um, but. You know, the action that's there is fine. And it's a lot of setup for the next one, too. So it's like a weird spot where, like, there's only so much you can say about it. Well, but the stuff that was interesting about this episode is interesting.
0: It's, it's it's not every middle entry of a trilogy has to feel this way. But this one does feel distinctly like the middle entry of a trilogy. It's yeah. much more slowed down. There are a lot more conversations happening as opposed to action happening. Um, whereas, you know, the first one is the inciting event. The the last one is the climax. So, you know, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that I, you know, the first one feels a little bit more exciting to me, and I think I even like it a bit more um just because of all that thematic stuff. But this is this is good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And fine. there are things it's in fine. this that I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get rid of, you know. Like I think they could tell this story in two episodes, but I think this this particular episode and some of the stuff they do adds to the overall thing, like that conversation that Adi has with Spider-Man. Um, yeah. exploring a little bit more. I do think maybe they revisit the forest too much because they don't do enough with it. Like yeah, I feel like I Makoto agree. and Hulk have the same conversation like five times um, and whether that's true or not, it feels like that. So I wish they had done a little bit more with that, but I guess they've really just wanted to do fire instead.
1: I think it doesn't help that. Most of this episode, Makoto is just externalizing what was internal about the first episode. So even though it's like new for a whole directly, we as an audience have already heard it. So, yeah, you go into this episode like being like, okay, okay, I've heard this this already, heard it again. Oh, no, they're cutting back and, and having just a different version of that conversation. Okay, like... They could have done could have done with some editing, I think.
0: I'm kinda of surprised that um they did I mean I guess I'm glad because this feels like more expected. Kind of surprised that they didn't have Makoto and Hulk really argue ever. Like it's nice to mm. see that they didn't because I've seen plenty of male characters argue with each other in order to understand each other. Um yeah. but I'm I, I say that only because I guess I'm a little bit surprised they didn't do that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. They had some, they had some sweet conversations. I'm, yeah. I'm thankful for that.
0: I will take the sweet conversations. Very healthy communication, uh, you know. At least when they do it, they they could have been could have been healthier in them in, in the amount of time it took them to communicate. But they do communicate in a very sweet way, a very tender way for two characters that are supposed to be like the tanks.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well if you'd like some other sweet conversations and tender between two tanks between two (laughs) tanks Uh, You can find those on our Patreon, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. we got lots of cool stuff going on, like our AMAs. We can ask us anything. Our movie commentaries, um, our usual After Dark commentaries where we watch different stuff. And, of course, our Spider Bites where we just read, watch, and talk about lots of uh, different Spider-Man media outside of the cartoons. So definitely check us out on there. But if you would like to find the two of us individually... Where can we find you on the internet and all the stuff you're working on, Doug?
0: You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, where I talk about Pokemon with my friends just as I feel like it. You can also find me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Vicky, Katie, and I talk about books and video games that we have been consuming lately. What about you, Derek?
1: Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. If you'd like to find more from the two of us, we have a monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our most recent episode is on the movie Up, and we have a great conversation with two very good guests. Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on our website, along with all of our episodes of Walloping Web Snappers as well. Any any podcast that we do together will end up on that website, and that website is wallapingwebsnappers.com. If you'd like to find us on social media, like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can find us on all of those platforms at wallopingwebpod, or email us if you have any questions or comments or fan art or anything. Email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And any podcast platform you use, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to us, that greatly helps other people find our podcast. Next week, we've got one episode left with Marvel Future Avengers to close out this arc as Green Goblin takes the Hulkbuster for a spin. (gasps) Wow. In Green Goblin versus the Hulk.
0: I like the sounds of that. Oh,
1: yeah. See you then. Bye. remotely activates the cock the oh my god he remotely because
0: activates the cock activates
1: the co- <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> where can we find you on the internet and all the stuff you're working on doug
0: you can find me in the middle of the night sabotaging everybody's motorcycles so that they never start up again <laughs> <laughs>